Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 50. We've uh, actually got there the half century uh, for our round four review. The usuals on today, we've got Jeremy for MPLW, Russ for MPL1. We've got uh, Webby for CPL, and he's also going to give us a bit of a special uh, update on what's happening in State League One as one of those teams will be joining CPL next season. So something a little bit special there for episode 50. Russ, how's it going today? And thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be here for episode 50, raising the bat, as they say, in another sport as well. It's been brilliant <laughs> that you guys have managed to keep this going through a couple of uh, covid um, related seasons and um, it's just getting better and better and bigger and bigger and I think the shows are getting longer and longer aren't they? Um, not last week not <laughs> last not, week no, no, not last week, week. No. I mean there's just so much to talk about yeah, these there days is. in local yeah. football isn't it it's great we could we, we actually could be here for days yeah. but um, I'm not sure everyone would be wanting to listen to us for days but yeah great to have you back on again looking forward to chat all things MPL Indeed Michael uh, thanks for joining us again and uh, episode 50 it's uh, one milestone yeah, it is. Russ took the words right out of my mouth. All I could think about was, you know, it's the time where you, you know, you, you raise the bat around the ground for for notching up your 50. So, you know, and now it means, you know, we've got to go another 50 to get to that century. So that's where we can take the, you know, the helmet off, kiss the badge, show it around. So and go no, I'm, I'm very excited that we've reached <laughs> this point. Um, it's It's been amazing. And like Russ said, you know, it's, proved even more sort of special getting to this point considering what we've had to sort of go through the last couple of years uh with the pandemic so you know uh, very 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 grateful we've been able to keep this going and i'm just very excited that it's 50 episodes and that we get to talk about some football indeed let's get straight into it who do we have uh, first up for mpl uh, michael yeah first up for mpl we have uh, west canberra wanderers who managed to get a 1-1 draw against Tigers FC. So we had uh, Jeno uh, Kurti uh, on the score sheet for the home side and Josh Golevsky finding the back of the net again uh, for Tigers FC. He's in a bit of early season form. Uh, Tigers obviously took the lead through uh, Golevsky in the 16th minute who finished off a, a great dribble uh, from Tommy Kirklick uh, through the, you know, from the corner of the Wanderers defence before placing it to Golevsky who obviously finished uh, confidently you know, they'll obviously be dis- disappointed that they let that lead slip, especially when, you know, uh, they, they would have been tied on points with uh, Canberra Croatia at the top of the table. So a little bit of disappointment on their end. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's not a loss, but I, I think, you know, obviously when you're in a winning position and, you know, three points turns into one, you can't help but feel a little bit of disappointment there. And I'm sure that's something that Ryan Grogan would have been feeling as well. But, you know, on the, on the flip side of that, I think West Canberra Wanderers, you know, they fought back um, to get obviously level in the second half. Curdy uh, finished off a, you know, a, a great uh, piece of team play. You know, uh, Shay Thornton picked out uh, Ben Opst from, from distance, who then, you know, returned, provided the through ball and eventual assist uh, to Curdy. So some good sort of team football that, that was on display. You know, it, it's an important result for the Wanderers as it's their first points of the season. Uh, I think it'll sort of, you know, provide them a bit of a stepping stone in terms of them sort of kickstarting their campaign, especially doing it against a, a, a side, sorry, like Tigers FC. And, um, you know, it'll give them that sort of fire to try and upset Monero next week also. So a good performance all around in terms of like overall 
uh, for for the Wanderers in in this game. You know, it's their first points of the season. They they had been suffering a little bit of, you know, maybe a lack of confidence per se in the lead up to this one, but nevertheless, a good result, I think, for them to look at in terms of, you know, when you're coming up against a side like Tigers FC, I mean, you'll probably take a draw and uh, they can be very proud of, of that performance in terms of, yeah, just being able to actually just get some points on the board. And hopefully that will then mean that they can move forward um, now during the season. What was, what was your sort of take on this result, Russ? Um, obviously West Canberra Wanderers, they get their season up and running with, uh, with a draw. Is it, where do you sort of tend to focus uh, when you look at a result like this, especially against uh, two teams like this that are sort of maybe looked at different parts of, of the table? Yeah, it's a hard one to, to look at, isn't it, from the Tigers' perspective? I mean, they are unbeaten this season um, in four games, but they've come away with three draws. Um, mm-hmm. It's such a tight league, and I said this in commentary on matches on the weekend, I think teams are going to take points off each other anyway. Um, so to come away from West Canberra Wanderers with a point, whilst they'll find it be dif- disappointed at halftime, they were 1-0 up and they look comfortable in the game. Uh, whatever happened at halftime happened, and the second half, the Wanderers were much the better side and will feel that they could have won the football match. I think you've got a typo on your sheet because it's Geno Saruti who scored the uh, equalising goal. That's not a typo, it's just Michael's it's just pronunciation. Michael's pronunciation yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Rubbing rubbing salt in the wounds. <laughs> yeah, Saruti got the equaliser. It was a very well-taken goal as well. Ben Obst, as you said, was a key to that. Um, I think maybe, had the Wanderers not played on Wednesday, uh, they could have come away with the points here. They were a bit leggy towards the end. But from Ryan Grogan's point of view, I think the Tigers, uh, there's still that midfield... Um, the cohesion's not quite there, I don't think, with that midfield at the moment. And there's a big gap between the defence and the attack. And Josh Gillespie's in great form up front, four and four for him now. He just can't stop scoring. And But it's just him scoring at the moment. And they need their players back. They miss Rocco Stricker, big style on the weekend, as anyone would. Um, one of their best players that they've got. They missed Julian Borgner as well. They didn't have his quality to bring off the bench. And so you looked at the bench they had, and they had a lot of young players on it, very skillful and talented young players, but they've not got the depth they had in the last couple of years, and maybe that's hurting them a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, it, from the Wanderers' point of view, they've got to the semi-finals of the Cup. I wondered what sort of reaction we would get out of them off the back of that. Uh, they made two changes to the starting lineup in terms of personnel, but they made six changes in terms of positions. Um, but they actually settled into it very quickly after they conceded the goal. And as I said, they were the better side. In the end of the day, the, the point each was fair, um, I think, although... I think it's more a point one for the Wanderers on this occasion and two drop for the Tigers who were in control in the first half, but they very much deserved it. And it may be a turnaround in their fortunes. We saw it last year, how momentum helps you swing the, the matches your way. And um, this could push them on and they've got a tough one coming up again this weekend. So Tigers need to find that form again that they had last year, that free scoring spirit that they had. And at the moment, whether they're just a bit tired still from the cup, um, it's difficult to put your finger on, but I'm sure Ryan Grogan and his coaching staff are looking at it this week and trying to find a solution. Next up, we have Canberra Olympic 3-1 victory over Belconnen United. James Jade, uh, sorry, Jay James Ward with the goal for Belconnen United. Mark Shields, Isosa Hege, and McCarran with the goals for Canberra Olympic. That first goal from Olympic, what an absolutely fantastic counterattack uh, that was. Uh, Mark Shields ended up lobbing the keeper from the edge of the box uh, to score that one. 
The second goal, Isosa Ohegi was an absolute menace, wasn't he? With that, uh, with that one, he uh, Olympic were on the break. He he makes he makes the run, and then he loses the ball. But immediately, as soon as he loses the ball, he puts pressure on the the Belco defender who passes it back, and then it was essentially like um, essentially the keeper and Ohegi both ran to the ball, and Ohegi got to the ball first. Uh, boom, got it. And puts it in the back of the net. He was an absolute menace there with his pace, with his power. Um, and then the third goal, Ehegi puts in a cross, um, which McCarran got some terrific height on, might I say, for a brilliant header. And then James, uh, sorry, J. James Ward, I've absolutely uh, butchered his name today. Sorry, uh, uh, and ended up uh, was brought. So he uh, he was he was a handful in the box, and he was brought down, and then. Uh, then he calmly uh, put that one away. Uh, Russ, what's your thoughts in terms of this one? This, if I'm not mistaken, this does put uh, Olympic in the top four with this victory, if um, if my calculations were correct. And this is also their second victory over Belcon United in three or four days uh, due to the uh, Australia Cup, which Olympic won four one. In terms of Belco, if you want to include that as well, this is their third loss on the trot and unfortunately for them, it doesn't get any easier with Canberra Croatia on the weekend. No, it was a deja vu for Michael Zorkowski and his team, wasn't it? I mean, again, they've been punished for errors that they've made, individual ones. The Hege goal you talked about was a carbon copy near enough of the one he got in the cup um, in the week. He charged down the keeper and, and, and it finished it into an empty net. And that just about sums up Belconnor's luck so far. They've played three games at home this season. They've lost all three and they've conceded three goals in each match. Um, and, and they're not that bad a side. They've just been really punished severely for every error they've made by the opposition. Uh, the first goal you talked about, Mark Shields rolling back the years, what a yeah. finish that was. Um, you can't really say anything about that. It was good transition, but the finish was out of this world. It was brilliant from Shieldsy. The Hagen one I've mentioned, and I'd like to point out Davy McCarran's goal. He struggled um, since he's had about COVID to come back with his fitness issues. It's great to see him back on the park and scoring. But for Belconnen, Again, it was very much a case of every game I've seen this season. They're good in the, fir- in, in the first two thirds of the field. They get into that final third and for whatever reason, that final ball just isn't working for them. Now, of course, they're missing Max Green, who's a big out loss for them. They're trying to reshuffle and find um, uh, what works for them in that respect. But yeah, it's another damaging loss at home. It leaves them one off the bottom of the table with three points. Um, and it's not great as far as they're concerned. For Olympic, Seventh to third in the space of in the space of two weeks, um, battered in the first couple of games, six two and eight nil. Uh, you wonder where their season was going from there. Well, it's going upwards, isn't it? A victory um, last week and a three one win this week, um, and all of a sudden, you've got a team like Tigers who haven't lost. You've got a team like Monero who've lost one, and now Olympic are above them because they've won two. So it's, that's the kind of league we're talking about this year. And um, Good for Robbie Katnach and his, and his team. Uh, there were some murmurings I was hearing out of O'Connor that perhaps they weren't pretty happy with what was going on after losing those first two games and conceding um, 14 goals. Uh, but they've stuck with their man and they're getting their rewards at the moment. And uh, it may well continue this weekend. Yeah, next up we had a another draw. Uh, we had O'Connor Knights, one Monero Panthers, one Manda on the score sheet for O'Connor. Andre, Jan, uh, Carl on the score sheet for Monero Panthers, their number nine. Uh, the first goal of the match was a result of, you know, Adele, Darren Bailey free kick, which was headed back into 
headed, sorry, uh, back in by Carl, who produced a header of his own to open the scoring uh, in the 11th minute of the game. It, you know, it, it it looked like Monero would extend their lead, you know, 10 minutes later when when Carl, you know, was brought down in the box for a penalty. However, the, uh, the, the resulting penalty was brilliantly uh, saved by Jack Miller. So props to him for that amazing save from the penalty spot and to prevent his team from going 2-0 down. And that obviously that proved to be a massive moment uh, in the game because, you know, uh, they came back in the second half, O'Connor, and they were able to grab that equaliser 25 minutes uh, from the end. And, you know, it was a, it was a quick and fantastic counter-attack, which uh, Manda completed uh, with, with a shot across goal to find the back of the net. So uh, good on O'Connor for coming back uh, into this match to to get themselves a draw, and you know Mandaris, uh, you know, uh, sorry, uh, Miller, you know, uh, fantastic performance uh, from him. Obviously, I think his performance proved to be a, a difference maker in terms of that penalty that he was able to save. Uh, and you know, you need moments like that from you from your keeper, which sort of you know you hear about the notion of, you know, your keeper sort of keeping you in games and actually winning you points. And I think that that was a pretty good example of that. Um, great save by him, great performance. And, you know, I've been impressed with O'Connor Knights um, so far in terms of their MPL uh, return. It's been good sort of watching them uh, in this competition. So uh, good on them for, you know, coming up, coming up against a good team that, the Monero Panthers are, even though the table may not suggest that right now, they're still a class team under Frank Keisha. So um, in the end, a good game of uh, a good game of football. And I think that that actually puts Monero out of the top four and into fifth place that result. So they're actually leapfrogged by who you were just uh, breaking down before Olympic by one point. And this also means that O'Connor are one point behind Monaro in sixth uh, with a game in hand, albeit so that, and that will be played against West Canberra Wanderers. Russ, what, what were your thoughts on, on this result? Uh, a, a draw between O'Connor Knights and Monero Panthers. Yeah. Jack Miller was a man of the match, wasn't he? He made some outstanding saves. The penalty save uh, wasn't the greatest penalty in the world from Andre Carl, but Miller had to save it and he kept them in it with plenty of saves as well. I think the corner count was something like 14 corners to one in favour of Monero Panthers. They dominated the possession and had the chances, but you don't take your chances. Um, you get punished in this league, yeah. and that's exactly what happened. And you look at the the, the goal they scored, great free kick. Um, I think Michael Pocci won the header back across goal, and there was Andre Carl to turn it in from close range. Uh, he could have scored again in the second half. He stumbled uh, in an opportune moment from about a yard. And you look at the equaliser, and you talk about how football can be a cruel game. Gabe Cole has struck the base of the post, and the ball's rolled across the line near enough. Um, they whacked it clear and they've broken quickly. And then Fakedi Manders found himself through and buries it in the bottom corner. Great finish. His third goal in, in three games this season as well, from one end to the other in a blink of the eye. And that's what's impressed me about the Knights this year. Their transition's been so quick. They've got yeah. some quality players um, when they do break and they break fast. And it's a, it's such a good event. Uh, I don't know if you've been to a Knights home game yet. They're doing it so well. They, you know, there's there's fields around with kids playing on it the nets are up you know the flags are up the crowd's noisy it's such an event and it's well worth going to have a look at and at home they're a tricky side to play against so I think whilst the Panthers would be disappointed they've not got three points 
they might look back on that and go, yeah, well, point away though, Connor at the end of the season is not too bad. And the same for Alex Trenich and Miro. Um, they'll look at that and go, well, you know, points probably good for us in this stage against the side that many are tipping to be at the top of the table. So all in all, um, a decent night's work for both those sides and looking forward to seeing how the nights go on Wednesday in the Australia Cup. Uh, that certainly will be, and that will be against Queanbeyan uh, City. Next up, we've got Gungarling United against Canberra Croatia. 2-1 victory for Canberra Croatia. Jason Ogrinich, Daniel Barrett with the goals, and then Jeremy Habtamarian with a penalty for Gungarling United. Um, this one's always a close match, uh, always a fiery affair as well. I think I saw in uh, your um, article for Capital Football, Russ, or something like nine yellow cards or something like that in, uh, in this one. Uh, Stephen Dominici uh, had to come off early uh, through an injury and circumstance has it that uh, his replacement, Jason Ulgrinich, not long after, ends up getting the first goal. Uh, Mate Busek uh, did really well to beat a couple of uh, Gangalan players and pass it off to Ulgrinich, who buried it. Very good uh, play to build up to that second goal as well from uh, Canberra Croatia. And it finished off with T-Boy Kamara putting a nice ball to Daniel Barach, who slid it in, just in between uh, you probably didn't have much room either straight after squeezed that. Over literally, the line. <laughs> um, literally both squeezed just between the players yeah. and then squeezed over the line. Uh, Butterbass between Butterbass and the keeper, and then like Russ mentioned, it just squeezed over the line. There, uh, Gungala United hit back late though um, in the 80th minute, where I believe it was Jack Green that was taken down in the box, and uh, Jeremy had to marry cool, calm, and collectively put that in the back of the net as he always does. Overall, uh, the impact for this result on the standings means that Canberra Croatia now overtake Gungahlin. Uh, this is Gungahlin's first loss as well, which means that Canberra Croatia and Tigers are the only undefeated sides left in MPL 1. We've got some classic rivalries in Canberra, yeah. haven't we? We have what, the, what I call the Canberra Classico, which is Olympic in, in Canberra Croatia. We've got the old foes rivalry when Canberra Croatia played Balcony United. But this one is turning into a real grudge match. Canberra Olympic and Monero uh, and Cam sorry, Canberra Croatia and Gagarin United. I don't think there's much love lost between these football clubs when they meet. And that means that when they play each other, it's a compulsive viewing. Um, people are out there tuned in because the football's good. There's great players on both sides. There's a bubbling undercurrent that sees challenges go flying in. And, and like I said, you mentioned nine yellow cards on the weekends and, you know, there was a bit going off the ball here and there. There's always things happening in this match and it's, it's well worth a look at. Um, basically because these two sides over the last couple of years have been the preeminent teams with the Tigers fighting out for the trophies. And uh, as long as that continues, that will happen. Um, the match itself was was a good watch. I mean, you mentioned the injury uh, to Stephen Dominici, which let Jason Nukodinic back on the field straight away. Wasn't expecting to get on that early. And then within two minutes, he scored. Uh, and that happens. They lost Ryan Keir to a soft tissue injury as well. Um, which is going to be a, a blow to Dean Greenwich when he looks at his squad and those two might be out for some time, but they do have a lot of depth in that team. I mentioned it with Ian on commentary. You looked at the two benches and both benches were stacked and you're thinking, wow, what great football sides we've got here. And the second half, um, Gungarland were much, much better. Uh, they reshuffled the pack. They changed things around a bit. Jeremy Habtaman moved into the number 10 role. Um, Jessica Spire dropped a bit deeper to try and influence things from further back. And they were much better after the interval. Unfortunately for them, the damage had been done mostly before by then. And Canberra Croatia were able to suck in any ch chances they had and hit them on the break. And they perhaps could have had a couple more, but that should have scored um, a second. Um, they were trying to walk it in at one stage when someone needed to hit it. Um, 
the penalty got them back into the contest and you felt that perhaps they might go on and equalise. But if I had one thing um, that I thought that Gungarland could have done better and Ian Worthington mentioned it in commentary was that they, when they did break, they tended to slow it down a bit and it allowed Croatia to get back in numbers. And when they got back in numbers, it became very hard to break down. And that's not what we've seen from the Gunners when they're at their best. They're slick and fast and they knock it around one and two touch really quickly. I'm sure they'll find that back again because they've got too many good footballers in that team not to. This is a setback for them. It's not the end of the world, as you mentioned. Everybody's going to lose games at this stage, at some stage of the season. I think they were more, I think what Marcel would have wanted was more of a, a response in the second half from being 2 0 down. And I think he got that from his team. Um, whether or not they could have got the equaliser, I don't think they probably deserved it on the day based on what I saw. Um, but they might feel differently. However, for them now, it's all about how they respond this weekend to their first set back of the season. And I've no doubt they've got the, the players and the, um, the cattle to do so. Uh, let's get straight into those matches, shall we? Let's start with the first matchup, 3 p.m. Saturday, May 7th at O'Connor Enclosed. Canberra Olympic against Tigers FC. Um, Canberra Olympic coming off some really positive uh, results and positive performances. Tigers FC uh, coming off some uh, drop points against West Canberra Wanderers. Uh, both both teams will be raring to go here, both for di- different reasons. Olympic will be looking to, you know, sort of take over that, um, sort of take that um, momentum that they've been gaining. Tigers FC will uh, look to bounce back after uh, getting the draw as well. As we always say, these are tough ones. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Tigers FC just to uh, nip this one, but it's gonna be um it's gonna be a close one. Uh, I think they're gonna try and take what they've learned from that match against West Canberra and apply it to this one. Uh, how about you, Michael? Yeah, I'm tending to go with Tigers FC as well, Matt. I think I'm just on that similar sort of mindset that you raised just then. I think Tigers will take a lot out of that last match and really put it together a lot better this this time around against a Canberra Olympic team. They're in a bit of form right now as well. So uh, although it'll be tough, I do expect them to come away uh, with a win. Any thoughts on this one, Ross? Yeah, I think the Tigers will probably again be without um, at least Rocco Stricker for this one. Uh, that's going to hurt them again, as we mentioned in, in the in the talk. Um, they tend to do quite well away to Canberra Olympic. The last couple of years, they picked up points there. It's a field that agrees with them. But this is an Olympic side now that have suddenly found some form. They've got three wins on the bounce now, haven't they? Two league wins and a cup win um, ahead of a cup semi-final coming up. So don't be surprised if Olympic pushed them all away. What I am expecting amongst this game is lots of goals. Um, I think both sides, if they do have a weakness, it is defensively. Um, and with the firepower that we've got on both those teams and the form that people are in, like Asesor Hege now, who's got a three and two, and um, Josh Golevsky, who's just scoring in every game, it's going to be a good match to watch. And that'll be the first of three games that I do this weekend, which will be interesting. Uh, Monaro Panthers next up against West Canberra Wanderers. Uh, Monaro playing at home Saturday, May 7th, 5.45pm, which Russ will also be calling at Riverside Stadium. Uh, West Canberra Wanderers will be coming um, off that match against Tigers with um, a boatload of confidence, I'm sure. Uh, they definitely deserve their draw and they created quite a few chances. The, the way uh, I like uh, the way they play as well. Some of their build-up plays really... Uh, really good, which was evident in uh, one of their goals. Well, they've got a really strong spine. Uh, Monaro Panthers will be uh, disappointed to uh, get that draw. Uh, and probably, and I just think they're going to be uh, raring the go, especially dropping out of that top four as well. They're, they'll be looking to get back in there. I'm going to go for the Monaro victory, but I do think uh, West Canberra will 
push them. How about you, Michael? Yeah, I'm the same, Matt. I think Monero Panthers are going to come back to win this game. I think it's a big game for them to sort of get themselves back into the top four as well, uh, given the last sort of few weeks haven't been anything amazing uh, by their standards. But I do expect, expect West Canberra Wanderers to turn up and play well uh, like they did in their game against Tigers FC. So they, they seem to be picking up a little bit of, you know, momentum as well. But I'm going to go with the, the home team, Monero. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Russ? This is the most drawn fixture in um, MPL history. Um, since the MPL was formed in 2013, these sides have had stalemates more than any other um, two matchups in the competition. In saying that, what I'm really looking forward to is the old boys going back to their former clubs. You've got Bo Harvey leading the line for the West Canberra Wanderers going back to the Panthers. You've got Gabe Cole and Adam DeFranceschi from the Wanderers, uh, formerly from the Wanderers, now with the Panthers. So what I will expect is one of those three to score because that generally happens, does it? <laughs> when you play against your former club. Uh, looking forward to this one. Should be a good match. The Wanderers won there last year. They don't tend to win many games at the Riverside, although their biggest ever um, MPL victory was at um, away to Monero Panthers a few years back. Uh, should be a very good match. And again, it's not going to end goalless. Uh, I, I don't think it will either. Uh, next up, we go Canberra Croatia against Belcon United, Sunday, May 8th, 3pm at Deakin Stadium. Uh, look, this one, it, it's hard for me to look past Canberra, Croatia. We all know Belco have the quality in their side. They're not in the best of form at the moment, but Canberra, Croatia are. It's Look, I'm sure Belco usually would always step up for this match against Canberra, Croatia. Even last year when they were um, struggling uh, to... They were getting draws, but they just weren't able to get those wins. They did show up and um, really push Canberra, Croatia. I think it was in a cut match first, and then they played them again. So we've seen Belco be out of form and show up for, for these matches against Canberra Croatia, but uh, Canberra Croatia's form at the moment just really seems like they're clicking. So I'm going to go for a Canberra Croatia victory here. How about you, Michael? Yeah, I'm going to go for Canberra Croatia as well, Matt. I think it's important for you to, you know, that you raised Belcona United. They're not in obviously some great form uh, at the moment, you know, having those back-to-back -back losses against Canberra Olympic across the, you know, two different competitions. I think that would have hurt their confidence a little bit, but, you know, this is a notorious fixture in a way. And I'm sure that the Belco boys are going to be ready, raring to go for that one. But I just do see the quality and the form of Canberra Croatia being a little bit too much for them at, at this stage of the season. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Russ? Yeah, top versus seventh, isn't it? On paper, it looks everything like it's going to be a Canberra Croatia win. They're scoring goals. They're not conceding many. They look very, very strong. But as you mentioned, Buckingham, for some reason, always seem to raise their game for this one, and especially at Deakin Stadium. They love going there. They love putting on a performance in front of the Canberra Croatia fans. And, uh, mm. you know, if you're going to find your way back into form for Michael Sikorsky and his team off the back of some disappointing performances, what better place to do it at than Deakin Stadium against uh, one of your arch rivals? Next up, the last match of the round, Gungala United versus O'Connor Knights, Sunday, May 8th, 3 p.m., AIS Grass Field 2. Uh, this is, I, I feel like this is going to be an interesting one. Gungala coming off their, uh, their first um, loss of the season. Uh, O'Connor Knights uh, coming off a comeback draw uh, against Monaro Panthers. Uh, they feel... Uh, and then, of course, that match against Tigers, which they lost, but they feel like... Um, they feel like they should have uh, gotten a draw in that one at the least. 
O'Connor seems to step up for these big matches. Even when they're down, they they've got they've got the youthful flair there. Where Russ has talked about the transitions, I think they'll take a lot from those two matches against Tigers and Minara. And I I'm going to go for a bit of an upset here. Here I'm going to go for a draw in this one. I just feel like they're going to use those two experiences and um, and put that to use. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised with um, either result uh, at the moment, considering the way the league is going. How about you, Michael? Yeah, I'm going to go for a Gungal and United uh, bounce back victory against O'Connor Knights. I think it was very good of you to mention that O'Connor do step up for these big games. You know, although results obviously haven't panned out, you know, to favour them so far, they do seem to put in some strong displays against these uh, these better teams. So that will definitely be an interesting factor heading into this game, but. I do see Gungal and United really sort of, you know, taking a lot of motivation from that Canberra-Croatia loss and, uh, and applying that into this game here. So I think they'll get the three points. Any thoughts on this one, Russ? Yeah, I've chosen this as our Sunday game to commentate on, mainly because it's the first time these two obviously have met at NPL level because the Knights haven't been there before. Um, but, but also because both these sides love to play fast, attractive football um, on the break, um, which we mentioned before. So I think this could be end-to-end, this one. I think there'll be plenty of opportunities. Um, it'll be played at a breakneck pace, I'm, I'm fairly certain of. Um, it should be a really good contest. It'll be the first time I've seen the Knights in NPL action this year. We'll have done them in a couple, couple of times since then. Um, in terms of commentary, I've been to a couple of their games to have a look to see how they're going. But I'm really expecting this one to be one of the highlights of the weekend. Um, if you get the chance to tune in, I think you will be very pleasantly surprised by the quality that we're going to see on Sunday at the AIS. Uh, first, Russ, 50th episode, I want to thank you for all your help. Um, you've been a massive, massive part of the show, so uh, we can't thank you enough. And uh, any last words? Yeah, Wednesday night um, at the AIS, Queen Bean City versus O'Connor Knights, Australia Cup quarterfinals um, for a place in the semis. Um, Wednesday afternoon at 12, uh, I think it's at 12 o'clock, there'll be the draw for the Women's Federation Cup semi-finals as well. Um, next week, the 10th and 11th, I think it is the week of the 10th and 11th, both Women's Federation Cup semi-finals will be live on Bar TV Sports, one after the other on a, um, one on a Tuesday, one on a Wednesday or a Thursday, whichever will be in the following week is the semi-finals of the Australia Cup. And you can see both those games on successive days as well. So bags of football coming up as well. I want to thank you guys for um, inviting me on again this week. And it was, it's great to see how this show and you two have evolved over the course of 50 episodes. It's a, People can sit at home and, and they, can, they can make comments as much as they like, but they don't realise how hard it is to put together this much um, effort in terms of the preparation you guys have done here, the equipment that you've brought to make it happen. And the fact that you're now bringing able to produce, not just talking about NPR, women's NPR, but now talking about capital league and state league and all sorts of other things as well. It's great for our football community that you guys are doing that. And uh, I applaud you for that and hope we go for at least another 50 more, if not more. Hello, everybody. Uh, this is our MPLW section on episode 50. Jeremy. Thanks for coming back today, mate. Uh, I didn't think you want to come after Marseille's loss to Feyenoord, but that's all right. No, not aware of it. Feyenoord and then Lyon this morning. It's a, it's been a tough week, but this coming week is going to be much better, and then we're going to make it to the final. So we're good. We're confident. You're confident. That's fair enough. That's fair enough, Jeremy. Um, some great calls from you on the weekend. Thank you. Uh, we'll get straight into it, shall we? Let's start with the team that is currently on top of the ladder, West Canberra Wanderers, 3-0 victory over Tuggeron United. 
Now, people might not have noticed this, and that's partly, I think, because they had that match in hand. So even when Canberra, uh, West Canberra had their victories, you know, they were a decent amount still behind Olympic and Croatia. Uh, but now that they had the draw and then West Canberra had the game in hand, which they won, they sit on top. They've just been quietly going about their business, haven't they, um, Ray Castro's side? Like I said, very impressive win for them. And once again, another clean sheet for them. It was uh, to kick off uh, the proceedings. It really was a fantastic um, free kick, wasn't it, from Tara Cannon in the 14th minute. Um, and then Tagarong, of course, uh, got back in, uh, tried to get back into the half, but that, that killer blow at the end from Biddle really was uh, the final nail in the coffin. And the other goal was from Hattie Cram. Like I said, West Canberra really just quietly going about their business, Jeremy. Um, I, I, like they've got a decent amount of clean sheets as well now. Uh, a couple, if I'm not mistaken, as all, well. All four. Four and four. Yeah. They haven't versed uh, the, the big teams yet. But at the end of the day, um, when you're getting you know, four wins from four against not the big teams, that's exactly uh, when you're someone like Ray Castro and you look at the draw, you want to sort of take advantage of that, right? And they're the only ones that can say that they've fully taken advantage of getting all the results when they haven't faced the big three. So what do you make of uh, this result? Specifically, uh, West Canberra just quietly going about their business. Yeah, I think it's great what's going on at Melrose. Uh, you know, it's we tend to talk about the best of the rest. If we, until last season, if we were removing Canberra, Croatia and Belkoran, and this season it may be Olympic going into the fall as well. And, and if you're you know, four, four win out of four without playing those three uh, and not having considered the goal, which is pretty impressive when you play against uh, a Gungalin team that has, uh, you know, Michel Heyman up front when they play against them last week, midweek. Well, granted, it was Michel's first game, but still she, she was on the side. Uh, and then even against the academy, being able to keep a clean sheet uh, doesn't happen to a lot of teams. So so for them to keep four clean sheets in their first four games, uh, all credit goes to, you know, Ray Castro and the girls, of course, and, and getting... Quiet wins is important. Um, it obviously, it's going to be maybe a bit more testing the next three games, playing Olympic, um, Croatia and Belko, or Belko, Croatia, I can't remember the other. Uh, but at least they're coming in with, with the confidence that they have a solid defense that they can resist um, to, to strong, powerful strikers. Uh, and that they can score from almost any um, sort of any situation. Tara Cannon um, scored this week, uh, midweek against Gungalin on a uh, on a ball recovered quite high on a high press. Uh, this weekend she scores on a free kick. Uh, Hadi Kram and Biddle. It's more um, Joanna Biddle. Sorry, it's more like transition or counter attack. Uh, but it's also showing that um, those, those young players have a lot of pace. Uh, the week before, we've seen a header from um, Sarah Whitfield. Uh, so, so they got you know, all the tricks and, and they are playing it well. Um, Doug Renong did play well, I think, on that game. I, I mean, you know, calling a, calling a spade a spade, I think on Tara Cannon's goal, there was not much Sam Jens could have done. But on the two other, game, on two other goals, uh, I've, seen, um, I've seen Sam a bit better on, on our line and uh, a bit harder to, to pass on, on 1v1, but it's, you know, part of the learning experience, I'm, I'm sure, and, and Tergonong won't be too happy that they were not able to get uh, a, a point or even a goal. They've only scored once this season, uh, but it's, like we said, every time, lesson learned. We know that Paolo Romero is doing a good job down there uh, and, and that it will come eventually. It's just a matter of... Uh, of finding the, the the perfect storm, I guess 
Uh, West Canberra, you know, three zero, um, seven goals scored in four games, zero uh, conceded. It's it's all the confidence you need before you're gonna face the big boys. Uh, and I'm sure that um, you know Ray Castro is going to tell them that it, it's it's not a big deal if the results don't come in in the next couple of games. But it's about knowing maybe what's going to be the difference between them and those teams that have a lot of experience that are expected to to play the the grand final uh, and trying to uh, to do what it takes to to close that gap. Yeah, next up we have uh, Canberra Croatia against uh, Canberra Olympic. This is probably the game that we had sort of circled as probably the the must watch in terms of MPL action this week. And the game certainly disappoint, didn't disappoint, boys. Um, you know the the hosts, the defending champs. You know they they managed to salvage a late point against you know a Canberra Olympic team that we've been talking about now for the last few weeks as being a, a serious sort of challenge. Uh, possibly for that title as well. And, you know, I think it was sort of exactly how you thought it was going to be in terms of like when you have two quality teams coming up against each other, there's just few and far between either side. And I think that really showed in a game like this, not to suggest that it was cagey or anything like that, but there was a lot of, there was a lot of quality out on that field and hence why, you know, the teams couldn't be separated at the end. And, you know, from Olympics point of view, you know, you had the confident spot kick from Ali Cook uh, that, that was scored and it looked like, you know, that, that, that they were very close to being on their way to grabbing a, a, a very important away win against the defending champions. But obviously their hopes were, were dashed there uh, right at the end in stoppage time when Canberra, Olymp- where, sorry, when Canberra Croatia scored their own uh, spot kick through Jen Bissett in the, uh, in the 91st minute there. So, very important uh, for her to keep her head uh, being calm, cool and collected to be able to sort of slot that in and grab a last minute equalizer to uh, confirm the draw. But like I mentioned at the top, it was a very, very close game. I think it's what we pretty much expected it to be. And you, you, you can't really find sort of, you know, many loopholes or, any sort of like gaping gaps when it comes to two quality teams that come up against each other. So at least it would have been good for the, you know, the neutral eye as well for those that watch MPLW because uh, it was, it was a good game. Jeremy, what did you make of this result? Obviously Canberra Olympic were so, so close to getting the three points. You know, they just had to hold on that little bit longer, but they obviously give away a penalty sort of right at the end, what, what were your sort of views and thoughts on this result and how it sort of impacts the the league this early on in the season? Yeah, I think, first of all, I wanted to talk about that, um, that tiny curse of the keepers that we had this weekend. I didn't mention it with West Canberra, but Ali Hinson, unfortunately, uh, broke her finger early in the first half and had to be uh, had to be subbed and, and Briggs yeah. was, a, was in the keeper uh, for her and, and hopefully Ali Hinson will be able to, to combat soon the former the former Croatia keeper, and then uh, Indic and um, Nat Vasta, a bit of a freak accident, uh, apparently broke her ankle. At least that's what Nick Woznich was telling me um, yesterday when we were commenting the game together. It happens at the 40th minute. Uh, she was stretched off, and, and then the ambulance come and pick her up. And, uh, and yeah, apparently it's a uh, uh, it's a fracture, so it's terrible for, for both those keepers. And of course, we uh, uh, you know we send them our, our thoughts, and we hope that they're going to uh, 
to both get better soon. Uh, oh, it clearly looks very serious for, for camera crash. And, and at Vasta, in, in my review, I wrote uh, a season-ending injury, uh, whether it is or not, regardless, it might be really hard for her to, uh, to come back by, by the time the final starts with, with, a, with a broken ankle. Um, what, what it means, though, as far as the game goes between camera crash and camera Olympic is with the circumstances, the way I see it, I think it's a bit of a wasted opportunity for, for Olympic. They were playing against a, a Canberra Croatia side that didn't have uh, Brittany Palombi. You know, already it's it's a big plus when you don't play against uh, Brittany Palombi, but also Amy McLaughlin was away, uh, Jimmy Berkeley was away, Grace Gill is not yet part of the of the team, or she's part of the team, but she's not playing the games yet. So playing Canberra Croatia without them four and with these four is going to be a different story. They had Alice Churchill in goals for about 50, 50 minutes as well. Um, so, you know, Alice did actually some pretty impressive saves. Uh, but you would think just on paper that Olympic should have gotten a win, uh, or at least it was the perfect opportunity and everything was uh, put together for them to get the win. What we saw was um, two, two teams that are just good um, defensively, offensively, in their press, uh, in, in the way they neutralize each other, in the way they've clearly um, sort of studied each other. Uh, Canberra, Croatia, knowing the players that were missing, uh, tend to play a little bit lower than what they usually play. What it did is it basically nullified um, Ash Sykes on one side uh, and, and Liv Forgatti on, on the other side. Uh, they were able to, as much as possible, try and stop Mickey Thornton. Uh, Mickey was just back from Thailand and maybe uh, looked a little bit tired, but that didn't prevent her from getting into the box uh, probably more times than, um, than Zoran Glavinic would, would have enjoyed. In the first half, she's got a chance and Vasta saves it. And then the two penalties that are given to Cambria Olympic come from um, Mickey. And, you know, if uh, I guess the, the three penalty calls for that game, we'd call them 50-50 uh, calls. If you're a uh, if you're for the team that get the penalty, then you think it's a foul. But if you're for the other team, uh, you would never think that it is a foul. Um, it's it's a close calls for the referee, and and uh, Astroit wasn't Aisha Astroit wasn't far, uh, and she made the call that she she thought was right. And uh, look, the first one went in from Ali Cook. The second one was a, a great save from Alice Churchill. I think it's not a lot of time that a uh, an outfield player is going to go between the post and and save a penalty to keep her team alive. So all the, all credit to Alice Churchill for that one. Uh, and then at the end, yeah, it does look a bit generous, that penalty on, on Jenny Bissett. But uh, if, you know, what like we say in football, if you get a penalty, that means that you're in the box uh, quite often and that you put pressure on the defender. So she did this and then she was able to, to score it. It was an, an entertaining game. It was, um, yeah, like quite, quite the... Uh, quite the KG affair in the sense that it was dense on both sides in the middle of the park and, and defensively. Uh, and the teams clearly knew that their counterpart was very dangerous. Uh, we've seen some some beautiful seatly touches as usual from Bella Barac. Uh, we've seen the speed of Ash Sykes. Uh, we've seen the defensive prowess of uh, Reef Henson on one side or Diana Hill on the other side. So it's like you watch the game and I went to see the game before I went to Hawker to for the commentary. I watched probably about an hour of it. Uh, and you just want to stay for more uh, because it's it's beautiful to see. Uh, it is, um, you know, kind of no questions asked, the best two teams in the competitions right now. Uh, and when you see them play, you understand why they are. It's uh, it, it works well everywhere, even when a young player um, comes in for, for Canberra Croatia. Guliamin was playing and then was replaced by Ross as well. Uh, it feels like they know what they're supposed to do and they're doing it well. So... Uh, yeah, a game that, you know, I'm, it was round four. I'm, I'm already crossing in my calendar, round 11 and round 18. 
Uh, you, you want to watch those games. If it wasn't uh, this early in the afternoon, I reckon I would have been behind the microphone for it. Uh, but, but I'm looking forward to seeing the two other games and, and potentially them meeting again either somewhere in the cup or, or in the finals as well because they are uh, truly two very talented teams. Absolutely. Uh, I think you're spot on with your sort of assessment there, Jeremy. Matt, what do, what do we have next? Next up, we have Wagga City Wanderers against Gangalan United. Now, Gangalan United, a uh, very important win for them. It is their first points of the season and first win of the season as well. Uh, the goals go to Erica Pennyfield with a brace. Michelle Heyman in her second match back at Canberra United. Sharon Chow and Piper Lockley against her former club. We mentioned, I mentioned just then, very, very important win for Gangali United and probably not just the win, but to get five in the back of the net as well. Uh, that's very important for them. I saw they had the DeMarco sisters as well. They come back from their futsal tour that they were with, with um, Michaela Thornton. Uh, so they're important uh, cogs back in the side there. Now, Wagga made a good account of themselves as well as they um, came back after being 2-0 down to be 2-1 for a little bit. Uh, we all know the Wagga side um, uh, are there to fight and they're going to fight as much as they can. And a big talking point as well, this is Sam Gray's last game, if I'm not mistaken, at the helm of Wagga City Wanderers. This entire time we've done the podcast anyway, he has been the coach. So I just want to thank Sam for his time whenever we've talked to him for the podcast and for commentary as well. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to him. So best of luck in his future uh, roles within football and Wagga Futsal and all that sort of stuff. And it, But in terms of Gangalan, very, very good performance. Uh, this will be uh, very, uh, very needed for the confidence of the side and just for momentum. Uh, they're going to, Pat Mills is going to hopefully uh, think that they're going to start momentum coming from this. And there were some um, really good goals as well in this one. Uh, I'm just trying to specifically remember which one it was. I think it was one of Erica Pennyfield's ones. It was a really good, really good chance. Um, She's always uh, up for some good goals there. So, Jeremy, what did you think of this one? And at the end, maybe if you wanted to say anything about uh, Sam's uh, time at Wagga. Yeah, a, a game of uh, a game of last and first, of course, uh, Sabah's last, and, and I'll get back on that. Uh, but a game of first as far as Gungaling getting their first win uh, and the Wanderers getting their first goals this season. Uh, they hadn't scored until uh, until this game at the uh, at the enclosed oval. Uh, it's it's complicated for for the Wanderers. They're conceding. Um, goals that you wish they wouldn't. And uh, unfortunately for her, Bonnie Warner, a couple of balls um, aren't getting too far from her, but she's just not, not getting them um, quickly enough. She's done some pretty impressive saves against uh, Canberra Croatia despite the score. And, and, and she is showing that she's a good goalkeeper. But I think when you, uh, when you keep getting that much pressure on your goals, it's, it's sometimes hard to, uh, to save them all, I guess. Uh, Gonga United needed that win, uh, I'd say, pretty desperately. Um, you know, they want to to be able to perform and to be able to compete with the with the big three, I'd say, up front, and and they weren't able to to showcase it since the beginning. Uh, and now all of a sudden, it's uh, Michelle Heyman getting onto the score sheet and Sharon Chow getting on the score sheet, uh, and Piper Lockley getting on the score sheet against her, her former squad. So all of a sudden, the um, 
all the offensive threats are being activated uh, and are probably, you know, um, getting a bit loose now that I can score goals and, and getting um, that monkey off the back, as, as you love to say, Matt. So it's, uh, it's great that the Gunners are getting their first win. Uh, it's unfortunate that it's at the expense of, of Waga, but to be honest, seeing Waga um, scoring twice is both great for the Wanderers and probably something that um, the Gunners want to work on. Uh, they are still to get a clean sheet in their first four games, uh, and I'm sure they would love to, to have one by now. Uh, of course, they are still missing uh, Kelly Tonini, who's, uh, who's injured and who hasn't come back. Uh, they have a couple of injuries uh, going since the beginning of the season, and they're slowly getting all the squad back. Um, it, it's it's good to see that they're winning. We, we just want to see, I guess, a little bit more from a team like Gangalin, and, and we've seen them to be so um, powerful and successful. We would like it to uh, to keep going, I guess. Uh, as far as Sam goes, it's it's a shame to see him um, leaving the our competition, putting simply. Uh, he's done some outstanding job. We, we know how hard it is to coach a team like uh, the Wanderers. We know how hard it is to head a program uh, like the Wanderers, he's, he's done it perfectly with the under-17 before he took the first grade. And with the first grade, he, he built uh, a great team and he built some uh, some momentum into the youth. And now we see those players like Piper Lockley succeeding in uh, in Gangalin. And we're seeing Sam Ems being you know called in uh, training for, for the young Matildas last season. So there's a lot of very good stories coming out of, of the Riverina. Uh, and Sam Gray definitely played a role in, in all of them. So seeing him stepping out of, of that role is a shame for everybody who loves football, I think, and for everybody who knows Sam, who's, who's just a, a, a very nice guy and a very good guy and somebody who's so passionate about um, teaching football and about his, his group. And, you know, when uh, uh, not that I want to say anything private or whatever, but long story short, when I asked him what he thought and, and kind of like why he would step out, his, his main answer is he wants the best for the girls uh, and if he feels if he feels that once again that he wasn't the best for the girls, then he's happy to step back and have somebody else coming in and make sure that the girls just flourish and and are happy and thrive at Waga. So we'll miss him 100%. I know that we'll still see him around the game. I know that every time he's going to be uh, in the capital for the weekend, I'll ask him if he wants to come in and co-commentate the game uh, with me. I'm sure we'll have him on your on your pod, guys, at one point or another to discuss the season as well. Uh, and we wish um, the best of luck for uh, for his future and also the best of luck for uh, Wagasiji Wanderers, um, keeping that momentum going and keeping that program how good as it is without um, somebody like Sam Gray. Absolutely. I think good to sort of have a massive shout out there for Sam Gray because he's obviously done so much in terms of MPLW. And, you know, I think that really sort of, it highlights his his time spent at Logger City and what he's meant to the football club. And, you know, he, he's one of the sort of, you know, the nice guys around the league and, you know, he's always up for a chat and, you know, he obviously There's gets not, along a lot with of them. The other ones are not very nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure the coaches around the league are going to love you saying that, Jeremy. <laughs> no, but going back on topic, I think, you know, he, he'll be a huge loss for Logger City Wanderers, but hopefully they'll be, you know, in some good hands uh, going forward and I'm sure you know that they'll that they'll sort of just take what they've they've learned under his guidership sort of so far and use that sort of moving forward into this into this season uh, but moving on now to the last game that was uh, featured in MPLW this uh, past weekend was uh, Canberra United Academy going down 2-1 to Belconnen 
uh, United. Uh, we had Jaya Bauman on the score sheet for CUA and Talia Backhouse with a double for the visiting Belconnen United team. And I think the main takeaway from this game was, you know, Backhouse's double um, obviously uh, provided the difference in what was a big win for Belco against a, you know, a, a Canberra United Academy team that had been playing well the last couple of weeks uh, heading into this game. So um, a, a big win for Belconnen United in that context. And I think Backhouse, she proved how important she is in the forward line for Belconnen, obviously scoring the two goals. And I mean, her first goal was an absolute cracker. I mean, that that's probably, you know, it, it's obviously an early contender for, for goal of the season. You know, she was God knows how far back, you know, outside the box. And she managed to just sort of cut across the ball uh, across her body and, you know, found the top corner. It was, it was an amazing strike. So good on her for that. I mean, it was, it was a splendid goal. I mean, you know, it's one of those goals that you could watch on replay a fair few times and not get over. So well done to her. And on the flip side of that, I think CUA, they did well to get themselves sort of back into the game when they were two, two nil down. Obviously they got back into it with over half an hour to go. So there was still plenty of time for them to then try and nab an equalizer uh, at the very least. Uh, but it just didn't happen for them. And I think although they lost this game, there's still a lot of positives for them to take out of this match that they had with Belco, especially when you consider how well they had been playing in the lead up to this difficult game as well. So Jeremy, what what are your thoughts on not only the the cracking goal that was scored um, by Talia Backhouse to, you know, open the scoring in this game, but just the overall sort of takeaways from this result and what it sort of means for both teams going forward, because it was an important match. Yeah, the goal was a beautiful one. And, uh, and Matt reminded me by text today how excited I got when uh, when he got in and I was there screaming, left corner, because that's how the <laughs> that's where the ball ended. Uh, it, it was a, a fantastic game. I mean, uh, Sarah West came up with her team definitely uh, with the confidence. You know, they had scored nine goals and I didn't consider it one in, in, in a week uh, between the, the midweek uh, cup game against Tagalong and, uh, and the game last week against Gangalin. So they came full of confidence and the first 25 minutes, uh, they really um, asphyxiated uh, the, the Belconnen team. They were defending, they were struggling to get the ball out of their own half, the Blue Devils. But I think that's when we kind of saw that, um, you know, football is a game of momentum and you have to make the most of your momentum. And the academy kind of missed uh, a couple of, not a couple of chances. They didn't have real chances, but they had a couple of situations where they go into the box and the last pass just lacks a bit of precision uh, or, or, or the last pass is just not to the right player. Uh, and against a team like like the Blue Devils, you, it doesn't, you know, you, they don't miss when they have opportunity, they're going to score them. Uh, there was a few set pieces where, where Nick Brosnich, who was calling the game with me, uh, was saying, oh, it's weird that the, the Blue Devils aren't winning those balls because we know how good they are. Uh, and, and then as soon as um, Taya Backhouse had that chance from, uh, from 25 videos, um, it, it needed something special, to be honest, for Belconen to to score a goal. I mean, if, if there's a take, in my opinion, uh, from that game is... Uh, we know who the best goalkeeper in the competition is. Uh, it's Chloe Lincoln. Uh, she's done as many saves during that game as she had done uh, a year before against Canberra, Croatia. And poor Nick Brosnich next to me was having nightmares watching it, remembering uh, how uh, Chloe was able to stop Grace Gill and Brett Palombi and, and everybody else when they beat uh, Canberra, Croatia. That was more of the same uh, because the academy struggled to get really into the box and to put uh, that centre-back pairing, uh, Dumos and Radarski that have been so great, 
for Belkonen. They went, they were very rarely put in default, but on the other side, Belkonen was having chances. Uh, just Kluelinkon was was in top form and uh, and like I said, a fair few saves. He took that special goal from Bakars. He took a corner kick uh, with, with a header from Bakars to try and score the, to the twice. And then the academy, you know, came back quickly. Uh, Jaya Bauman, who had scored uh, a world year herself last week, um, apparently all the best goals are going to be scored at Oker this season, uh, was able to score one uh, a header of, of her own. And then after that, you would hope that the academy was going to reproduce what they did in the in the first 15 minutes, which is pressing high and pushing and pushing, but the legs looked a bit tired uh, and Belkonen was able to use all their experience to kind of slow the game down, to put the ball in the feet of uh, Olivia Bomford, of Kira Bobin, of Talia Backhouse, and to try and manage their momentum. That's how they get the win. Uh, it's a win that's important for, for Scott Conlon and Maddie Moore. They were saying how happy they were at the end because um, not everyone's going to be able to score goals past Cluel Lincoln, that's, that's for sure. And not everyone's going to be able to match that intensity that the academy is putting into the game and is going to be able to sort of slow them down and take the game over, especially at Hawker. Uh, so great win for, for Belkonen, a great learning experience for the academy as usual. Uh, and, uh, and again, that's two teams that 100% are going to be fighting for the, uh, for the final spots until the end. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jeremy. Uh, Matt, do you want to get into the round five fixtures? Yep, and as we do, uh, Russ is joining me. He he was early and uh, we were late, so I'm like, just jump jump on Russ. Uh, join us for this one, Russ. How's it going? Yeah, great. Right. Thanks. I was just listening to Jeremy's uh, um, summation of the game that we did on the weekend. I caught the second half of that match. It was a very good watch, actually. Um, the Belcon and Canberra United Academy game yep. could have gone either way. I think both sides are really uh, credit to their both coaches, and it was a it was a very good. Um, game to catch and as you mentioned that first goal I don't think any goalkeeper in any league stopping that it was a, mm. one of the best hits I've seen from a long time and it wasn't just the fact see a lot of goals in the women's game that sometimes just float in over the goalkeepers and that one went in with some real pace and Chloe Lincoln as you mentioned nowhere near it and she's one of the best keepers we've seen in this competition but yeah plenty more of that to come hopefully yeah, and uh, if you're watching this in order, we shoot this out of order. So, because <laughs> Russ already be on, and then he just yeah, randomly no, no, appears back. Again. I just come back randomly. <laughs> the magic <laughs> of the evident podcast. Like, teleporting. Teleporting. <laughs> yeah, All right, good. let's get straight into round five fixtures, shall we? Uh, we kick off with another massive matchup. Uh, this is the first one of the MPLW round. Belcon United against Canberra, Croatia, Saturday, May 7th, 3 p.m. at McKellar Park. Before we get into our predictions, boys, uh, is it uh, which match is going to be called on MPLW this weekend? This is the one that's going to be called. Awesome. This should be an absolute cracker. It's going to be a tough one. I, look, I'm going to say Canberra Craig. I just think after them getting the draw, they're going to be raring to go to try and get those three points. But I expect, uh, I think Scott Conlon will set up his team um, similar or in a way that will... Um, push Canberra Croatia. So I think this will be a close matchup, but I think Canberra Croatia will get the win in the end. How about you, Jeremy? I'll give you the draw. I think it's going to be an interesting uh, tie to to watch. It's in Makela. Uh, I don't know who's going to be between the posts for Canberra Croatia. If it's Alice again, uh, that means that they're missing all that experience at left back. Uh, and I'm sure uh, Kira Bobin would love not to have Alice Church in front of her on the wing. Uh, so yeah, I'll I'll give you the draw just for the uh, the fun of it. Michael, mm, I was thinking draw as well, to be honest. So I think I'm going to stick with that. I think 
it's going to be a tough game. You, you you can't really separate two top teams like the these two teams are. And you know, like Jeremy made, Jeremy made a good point just then in terms of the goalkeeping situation. So that might sort of play a huge factor in terms of which way the result's going to swing. But uh, I can't pick a winner, so I'm going to go for a draw. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Russ? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. I've got inkling of who Canberra Crescent might be bringing in between the posts, but I won't, <laughs> Save put, it for now. I won't put that out there just <laughs> yeah. in case it doesn't happen and <laughs> doesn't get across the line. Um, but yeah, it'll uh, it'll be a good match, I think. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, Canberra Crescent, hopefully, I'm not sure whether their missing stars will be back this weekend, but if they are, they'll make a difference. I had a chat with Doug Wilson today, actually, as part of Female Football Week. You'll be able to watch that interview um, sometime next week. And uh, she was full of praise about that Canberra Croatia side and a bit disappointed they didn't win on the weekend. But yeah, it should be a good game. And I, I could see it being a draw. Um, my, my personal bet would be Canberra Croatia just because they know how to win these games and they're a bit more expensive. But I could see why the guys would go for a draw. And next up, we have Wagga City Wanderers, their first match without Sam Gray and Canberra United Academy uh, coming off some uh, really good performances as well. Sunday, May 8th. 2.30 p.m. at Gissing Oval. It's it's hard for me not to say uh, Canberra United Academy in this one, considering how well they have performed in the last couple of matches. How about you, Michael? Yeah, I'm of the exact same sort of mindset, Matt. I think Canberra United Academy, based on the fact that they've had a really good, good sort of three-week period, uh, even though they obviously lost to Belcon and United most recently that we discussed just before, but I think that they're in a good space at the moment in terms of the results they were able to produce sort of before that game. And even with the loss, I still think that there's still a lot of positive signs there for them and I expect them to get back to winning ways. Jeremy? Yeah, I'll go for the academy as well. For anybody who's who's listening, don't forget on Sunday, it's, it's Mother's Day. Um, so even if you're uh, full about the football, uh, look, look after your mothers on that day. Uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say the academy. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be complicated for uh, for the Wanderers to, to put a goal past uh, Chloe Lincoln. But you know, I wish them the best luck. You have any thoughts on this one, Russ? You can't look past the academy in current form, can you? I'd love to see the Wanderers give them a game. Um, we want a very strong Wagga City side down there, and I echo everything you guys were saying about Sam Gray earlier and what he's brought to that region. Um, they're very important for us as a federation as well to have a strong Wagga outfit in the competition. And I'm hoping with these young girls that they've got coming through that they will find their feet at a Premier League level eventually. Um, but I don't think it'll be this weekend, unfortunately, for them. And next up, we have Canberra Olympic against West Canberra Wanderers, top of the table, West Canberra Wanderers against also an undefeated uh, Canberra Olympic side. Sunday, May 8th, 2.30 p.m. at O'Connor Enclosed. I'm going to go for a Canberra Olympic victory here, but West Canberra, I'm sure, will um, push them where they can. But once again, like with Canberra Croatia, it's hard to look past Olympic, especially when they just got the draw. They'll be raring to get back uh, two winning ways. Uh, how about you, Jeremy? Yeah, same thing. I'd give it to Olympic. I mean, I think in... Any, any day, the Wanderers would have a hard time against Olympic and without Ali Hinson, they're losing uh, a, a very talented goalkeeper as well. So uh, it, it'll be even harder. Uh, Olympic will probably have um, all, their, all their strength here and with Miki Tonton only half there in, uh, in, in this weekend, she made all the difference against Canberra Croatia. So I'm sure she'll, uh, 
should be very important for Olympic again this weekend. Michael? Yeah, I'm going to go for uh, Canberra Olympic in this game as well, just given obviously how, you know, they've started the season. And I know that West Canberra Wanderers have obviously had a very good start to the season as well. But I think it's also important to note that what we had mentioned earlier that, you know, that they've had a bit of a favourable fixture list to start the season. And you mean, and I mean, credit to them, you've got to beat what's in front of you uh, regardless. And they've definitely taken their opportunities that have presented themselves, but this will be a massive test for them, for them against one of the teams that are obviously looking to fight for that title this season. And it might just be a step too high at, at this current time. So I'm going to go for a Canberra Olympic. And last up, Tigerong United against Gungarling United, Sunday, May 8th, 2.30 p.m. Uh, is this one going to be at uh, Canberra? Considering... Yeah, the, the, the okay. drainage is done and ready to go down there. And the lights are almost ready to go as well. So I think it might be the first game of the season at Canberra. Uh, I think I'll give it to, to Gungarling. They, they finally got that first win this weekend and they're probably going to go down there full of confidence. Uh, it's, uh, it's a squad that has so much strength. The Gunners, when they do find each other and when they do play well, uh, not a lot of teams are going to be able to to stop them. So I, I'll go for a, a win for the Gunners. I'm going to go for Gungal and United as well. I think it's it was really important, like I mentioned, for them to get their first win of the season. Like, you know, you know, scoring five goals in the process as well, like we mentioned. But it was just really important for them, I think, to yeah kickstart their season, which they were able to do this past weekend. And I expect them to carry that on and you know, this is a good time for them to sort of build a little momentum uh, as the season progresses. So I'm going to go for Gungala. All right. That's us for this week. Uh, Jeremy, thank you very much for coming on. And since episode 50, thanks so much for your contribution to the show. You've been a massive part of it. Uh, I can't say thanks enough. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Tune in on NPL TV on Saturday afternoon for uh, Belcona and United Camera Croatia. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is our CPL section. Joining us is our CPL slash State League expert, Chris Webb. Chris, it's episode 50. We had to bring you on. Uh, and I just wanted to say thanks for um, all your contributions to the show on and off it. Uh, you've been a massive part of it. And thank you uh, as we reach this milestone. Uh, look, thanks for having me on and congratulations. It's a uh, yeah, pretty big thing, um, especially over the last few years that have been so stop start and it's probably been frustrating for you as it has been for everybody else so okay congrats on persevering through thank you very much and uh since it's our 50 we thought we'd do something special uh since there is going to be a state league one team in cpl next year one of them will get promoted we thought uh let's uh let's have Webby give us a bit of an update on State League One. Now, as everyone would know, if you actually go to look up the State League One results, there are only three results out of four rounds. But Webby's our insider, so he knows what's going on. I know a few of the clubs post the results, but I'm not, we're not uh, as aware of State League One as we'd um, like to be. So Webby is here to give us the, um, the breakdown. And it's still early days, but you might get a bit of a hint of who we will see next season quite possibly so webby state league one uh what's the go uh yeah state league one's an interesting league um and you know i i have a bit of a kind of personal interest in it because the team that i used to coach in npl2 the first grade team at western essentially are all kind of playing in state league one now um so um, I go down and try and watch those guys when I can. 
Um, so they uh, they've actually won the league. I think the last three years, maybe the last four years, since essentially they dropped out as a group. Um, and no surprises there back on top of the table at the moment. So they've, after four games, have had three wins and a draw with UC. Um, so their win on the weekend, they won 3-2 against Gungar and Juventus. Um, was, I, I caught the last probably 40 minutes of that game, actually, and uh, was very, very even affair. At Juve, extremely unlock, unlucky not to score in the last... 15 minutes, they really had Western under the pump. So they kind of scraped away with that 3-2 win. Um, but that kind of puts them up on 10 points and and three points ahead of Juve. So they were tied on points going into that game. So um, interesting enough. So it looks like, you know, Western are again kind of going for their fourth straight title in that league. Um, there are some kind of other teams that are really chasing pretty closely you see, um, they drew on the weekend with ANU, so they're they're a win and three draws, so they're yet to lose. Um, and their draws have kind of come against all the top, the other top teams. So they they drew with Bell North, they drew with ANU, and they drew with Western. So they're the one, they're the only team to take points off Western at the moment. Um, so they're sitting there on six points, and then ANU are kind of um, just underneath. They've uh, had a win, a draw, and a loss, um, and uh, a bye as well. So they're they're just they're thereabouts with four points. The other really big team in that competition is uh, Bell North, and again, some people may have seen them play in the cup. Um, I watched them play against O'Connor Knights in the cup, and uh, they were extremely competitive and really pushed O'Connor Knights, who you know I'm sure you've talked about it doing extremely well in MPL. Um, and they pushed O'Connor Knights all the way in the cup. So, um, again, they're another really good team. They've actually only played two games. They've drawn them both. Um, and they've got a, they've had a bye as well. And also they've got a make-up game with ADFA. You know, the world of state league means when you have ADFA in your comp, you know, the games are often getting pushed back I for various that. reasons. So, um, so that's kind of how that league sits. There are, you know, there are a few other teams in there, but look, no disrespect. Probably those kind of teams are probably not particularly in the running, I would say. You, they, they might prove me wrong, but I really think it's one of these five teams. The interesting thing about that is two of the five teams people probably picked up on are already in CPL at the moment, Western and ANU. So um, it, it will be an interesting thing to see. The, the rules kind of say you can't have two teams up in CPL. So if Western uh, or ANU won, it would mean that there is no promotion relegation. Um, they are pretty sure now, don't quite me, but I think that the way the rules said they're not going to go to second on the list. You've got you to win outright. Um, the interesting thing, looking at the table, we'll probably jump into it, is Western are rooted on the bottom of CPL, but then top of State League 1. So um, it, it in reality, it would be some kind of switch, but I don't know how that would how that would yeah. actually work out. Um, but that's kind of the situation at the moment. It's it's a pretty uh, fantastic competition, actually. There are some really really good players floating around, especially in those top five teams. Um, lots and lots of players with MPL experience across all five of those teams. Well, uh, there certainly is, and I'm just going to read the 
fixtures for this weekend to you and uh, we'll see what stands out to you. We've got uh, one of the ANU teams against Majura, Gungahl and Juventus against UC Stars, Woden Valley against Bell North, Adva Vikings against Western Malonglo. Which ones of these stand out to you? So really it'd be that UC Juventus game. Um, that's probably the only one where the, the two of the top five, uh, yeah, two of the top five are playing each other. And interesting enough, um, that could just be another game that if you see draw that essentially they they would have drawn with everyone in the in the top five. Um, they get a win there, and UC would jump over Juve and and really cement themselves into second spot. So um, that that's probably a pretty big game actually. All right, uh, get out to any of those matches uh, if you can. If you know some of these people in the state league, uh, there's there's some cracking goals I actually saw that. Now, some of the teams are starting to post some of those goals on their socials, which is good to see. It's not just the um, MPLW, MPL1 and CPL. Uh, so it's always good to see when we can see some um, goals from that, from 23s and uh, get a bit of variety on there. Also, let's get uh, straight into CPL, shall we? Michael, who do we have first up? Yeah, first up, we have Western Malongolo, who were defeated by the Brindabella Blues, uh, 4-1. So we had Graham on the score sheet for... Western Malongolo and for Brindabella, we had uh, Deegan Smith with a hat trick and Jordan Host getting on the scorecard as well. Obviously, a big win for the Brindies as it's their first of the season and takes them up to fifth uh, place in the table, two points behind Tuggies and ANU. The first goal from Deegan Smith was was a great header, you know, uh, which he was able to get some height on. And, you know, Jordan Host uh, scored the second and he, he ran straight. Uh, through the Western midfield and and defence and sort of did a did a one two and buried buried it into the net. So a nice goal there uh, from the Brindies' uh, perspective. Western's goal uh, from from Graham was well placed uh, into the back of the net. You know he received a beautiful assist from a ball over the top. You know just prior. You know obviously the result overall isn't what they were hoping for, but um, you know they're looking. You know. Um, you know, as they're looking, sorry for their for their first winning points of the of the season. It's something that obviously is still eluding them, and that they're still working hard uh, to try and capture. Webby, what's your thoughts on this uh, results result? Uh, sorry, it's obviously a big win for the Brindies, as you know, it's their first win of the season. They had a bit of a difficult start uh, to the two thousand twenty two campaign, but now that they've got that monkey off their back, yeah. Look. Um... To be honest, I don't think it was all too surprising. Maybe the the scoreline, um, but uh, you know, Western. I know, obviously, I know extremely well. The first two games, they were missing close to, I think, over half the squad. Um, so yeah, there's eight or nine players kind of missing both games. But this week, they were only missing maybe two or three. So it's not like they came in with an extremely weak squad like they did in the first two games. Um, so look. I, I can't give enough raps for Brindy. I think we talked about them in the in the kind of preseason uh, review. That look, they've got some extremely talented young players. As, again, I spoke about Jordan Host. I think he's one of the best players in his competition, and he's going to be a real handful for everybody. Um, Dagan Smith. I think it, he's only played two or three games at this level. Yeah, he's only young, and so. Get a hat trick's uh, pretty impressive, and there's just it just shows that it's not just Curtis Schaefer in their team that's firepower. You know they can score goals from 
uh, a number of players on the park. So I really just think that, well, they shouldn't be seen as a surprise anymore. I really think that uh, Brenda Bella are in for a very, very good shot at the top four and even higher. I, I did I did catch about 20 minutes of it, and um, especially at the start of the second half. And look, Western still knocked the ball around quite well. The goal was very nice. Um, Will Kong played a, a lovely little chip over to Xavier Graham. So it was a well-constructed goal, but um, they, they're going to need to find something a little bit extra. I think especially in the in the centre of midfield and just in terms of being able to, to get control of the ball. They they While they were quite good in getting passages through, they, they just lost the ball too quickly, uh, too many times, and then the defence were just kind of always consistently having people run at them. So it's something that they're going to need to address, I think. Uh, next up, we have Queanbeyan City 2-1 victory over Wagga City Wanderers. Alexandra Urikairu with a brace and Suleiman once again on the score sheet for Wagga City Wanderers. Another important victory for Queanbeyan as this means they're four from four. Uh, they remain undefeated. Um, the only team to win every game, uh, I think out of all the comp, I think they're the only team to win a game from all the competitions between them and West Canberra in um, yeah. in MPLW. Uh, so, but they had to fight back from behind for this one. Uh, Wanderers scored in that first half, and then the other two goals for Premier City were in that second half. Wagga might be a little disappointed that they weren't able to hold that lead or at least get a draw. However, this performance against uh, the team that is top of the table and is the standard bearers at the moment, anyway, for the league. Um, it's it's promising from Wagga. They got they got their win their win. Uh, they got they've got their draw against a Ugali, and they put in a solid performance here against Queanbeyan. Uh, it's safe to say that David Leonard's side are doing pretty well so far this season. I am aware that Queanbeyan uh, were missing a few players. However, in terms of Wagga, you have to face what is in front of you in that regard. So not all doom and gloom for Wagga. They've had a pretty good start to the season so far, but once again, Webby. Very, very important win for Queanbeyan, especially with that massive matchup against White Eagles. And White Eagles are quietly going about their business and they're only two points behind. So uh, that could be a decisive result heading into another massively decisive result against um, White Eagles this weekend. Because as we mentioned before, as we saw last season, every result in CPL counts. And look, and look who knows? when the season might get shut down for whatever reason. So every it could be an eight, eight game season and obviously everything uh, counts then. But no, look, um, what's impressive about Queanbeyan is the goal scorers are just spread across yeah. such a, a number of people. You know, I think they, they're Alex's first goals of the season. Um, and as you said, you know, they're missing few. It doesn't really matter. They, they have so many attacking players in that Queanbeyan squad. It's, a little bit of a, a headache for Goran, I'm sure, who to start. I'm sure he's got a lot of people uh, in his ear about getting a, a starting spot there. But, you know, Alex has done himself a favour, putting two goals away. So um, a, a good headache for, for Goran to have. Impressive, again, I think it's a good show of resilience for them to come back um, from goal down, you know, reasonably late goals. I think it was like in the late 60th minute and the 70th minute. So... Um, yeah, it, it's an impressive start for Queanbeyan and they know they've got to keep their foot on the pedal because Tuggeranong especially and, and ANU and, and as you said, White Eagles and as I kind of mentioned before, Brindy will all be 
breathing down their neck um, at the moment. So um, they just got to keep on going. But it's a, an impressive start, definitely. Yeah, next up we have Yulgali up against Canberra White Eagles, where Eagles were able to come away with a 3-1 victory away from home. Uh, Andrew Fituki uh, on the score sheet for Yulgali. Uh, both uh, Zach Lawrence and Kagler on the score sheet for Wyatt Eagles. All those goals in that game came in the second half of play. So good build-up play uh, for the White Eagles goal. Quite a few players were involved. Uh, ended up with a cross that the Yulgali defenders just weren't able to really deal with and both was able to capitalize and finish it off. Um, Zach Lawrence snuck, uh, struck not long, not too long, sorry, after that uh, with an absolute banger of a strike from outside of the box uh, over the keeper. So a great goal there uh, in CPL. Uh, Yugali pushed, uh, pushed back to try and, you know, get back in the match. Their pressure obviously resulted in a penalty, which was uh, put away uh, by Vituki. Um White Eagles uh, obviously dashed their their hopes though of a comeback late on when, um, you know there was um, uh, when Kagler did well to sorry run down uh, a big ball over the top uh, and then battle sort of the last defender before putting the ball past the goalkeeper there to make it three one and put the result beyond doubt at that point so late on uh, in the game and I think White Eagles are one of those teams at the moment where they seem to be going about their business sort of relatively under the radar, not really saying a whole lot, not a whole lot of people are talking about them, but obviously had a very strong start to the season and, you know, they're still undefeated and they're only just two points off uh, Queanbeyan, which um, obviously that matchup between those two teams is going to take center stage uh, this weekend. And we'll get into uh, that match when we preview the fixtures for this upcoming round. Ilgali on the other hand, you know, that. They're yet to find a, a victory uh, to start the season. And, you know, they'll look to change that next week when they obviously travel to uh, Western. Webby, what are your thoughts uh, on the on this result for Canberra White Eagles? Obviously, uh, it, it's always sort of tough making that trip outside of Canberra uh, to get yourself increasingly motivated to get three points, but it's something that they were able to do. And... We obviously mentioned how they're just behind Queanbeyan uh, by two points. It's been a solid start uh, to the season uh, for them, and no one's really batting an eyelid over it. Yeah, it's it's interesting that you say that, and, and I know you're a former alumni of White Eagles. Really, <laughs> over the last 20 years, they've been the standard bearer in this competition. They've been the team in this comp. Um, so for people just to kind of dismiss them is just an interesting thing in 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 itself because really they've always been the favorites for majority of the seasons um, before, before a ball's been kicked. So um, really an impressive result, as you said, it's tough making that trip out to Griffith and, and Ugali there at home, always have that, you know, a slightly stronger team. I watched a good chunk of the first half um, because Ugali are great and they stream the games um, and it was very even, very even game. Um, Ugali looked quite good and had a lot of possession um so it wasn't all one-way traffic but um as you said kind of some some well taken goals and that's kind of what you need to to break a game like this down um they i i obviously saw them uh last week against western and they looked really really good white eagles um 
very impressive and to me um you know he's he got a lot of goals Chinay um is looking extremely good um a really good pickup for wide eagles and we might touch on it a bit later but i think probably quite a big loss for amu as well um yeah, a lot of his work last year, I think, was probably uh, went under the radar a little bit. So um, he's been a great addition for them. And as you said, they're, they're just behind Queanbeyan. They play them this week. And we might be talking about a new league leader come next week. It should be inter interesting to see how that uh, all rolls out. We'll mention that in a bit. Uh, another big result, though, over the weekend was Tuggeron United 5-0 over ANU. Luke Stevens with a hat-trick. Sam Walker and Patrick Hislop to round out the goals for Tuggies. And um, I was able to catch the second half of this one. And mind you, four of the five goals were in the first half. So <laughs> I missed quite a chunk there. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get to that first half. Uh, but when I was sent the goals, I'll tell you what, you can see from some of these timestamps, one, the first minute, uh, third minute, 14th, 30, uh, 35th, um, a good chunk of this was early. And we've seen Tuggy's tenacity before, but they really put it on display uh, here. Um, the first goal, essentially, the keeper passed it out uh, and the ANU defender went to pass it across field, not noticing that. Luke Stevens had just come up straight behind him and um, immediately pounced on it, buried it in the bottom corner. Two minutes later, Tuggy's tenacity once again, won the ball back in midfield, immediately broke. Um, and Sam Walker was able to um, run around the keeper and bury it uh, there. Luke Stevens took advantage of a couple of failed um, ANU clearances for his second. Uh, his has, his hat, hat trick came uh, once Tuggies once again won the ball in midfield, broke immediately. And yeah, like I said, very, very impressive um, breaks from uh, Tugger on here. That tenacity in midfield uh, seemed like ANU weren't able to handle that in the first half. And Patrick Hislop scored the fifth with a beautiful head up in that second half and a good cross as well. Huge win for Tuggies as this does put them um, back in the top four from fifth to third place. Remember, they still have one match in hand as well. So currently they sit, sit if I'm not mistaken, six points behind Queanbeyan, four points behind uh, ANU, but, sorry, not ANU, behind uh, White Eagles. And if they are able to get that victory in the catch-up match, uh, that will mean uh, they are a lot closer. That will mean they're only one point behind uh, White Eagles and three points behind Queanbeyan. So that catch-up round, I believe, will be played between round five and six. So that is coming relatively soon for them. So they might know um, what they have to do in terms of the second round of matches uh, we, in, in that regard. Like I said, from what I saw in the second half, though, ANU obviously had more of the ball because once you're 4-0 up, uh, Tuggies took it. Uh, they decided to sit back a bit, let ANU have a bit of the ball. And ANU... Uh, you could you could tell they were frustrated because a lot of the they had some really good play in that second half, but a lot of their chances uh, were skied over the bar or across goal. You could just see they weren't on the top of their game like they usually are. And I guess what's worrying for ANU is uh, not only did they lose two of their matches against um, two of their competitors for promotion this year, but they lost them by hefty margins: three 0 against Queanbeyan, five 0 here against Tuggies. That is more what would concern me, less so of the losses. But we have mentioned how crucial 
the wins are in CPL. We keep mentioning it, but how you never know when the season can end. And at the end of the day, it was that victory of O'Connor against ANU, which did send them through. So every match counts, but the scoreline I would say is worrying for Talal Safar's side. Webby, thoughts on uh, this one? It was a very impressive display from Tuggeron. Yeah, um, lots lots of thoughts on this one. Um, hopefully I can get them out of my scrambled brain. Um, again, I'll go back to what I talked about in the in the preseason preview. I said I'd seen Tuggeron a few times in preseason and said how uh, impressed I was with their high press, um, the, the tenacity as you talked about. And so for the first minute of the game, and I saw these goals for a goalkeeper to play uh, a goal kick straight up the middle. It's it's one of the things that gives me, sends shivers down my spine when a number six is back to goal, receiving a receiving a ball from the keeper, literally not knowing who is behind them. And um, and you knew you could see that the three the three Tuggeranong forwards were all central, all lined up to press to press that uh, goal kick. And as soon as it got played, um, you know. It was uh, Hopi, I think, from ANU. It was under all kinds of pressure. Um, just criminal, I think, to, to be doing that in the first minute of a game. And then, as you said, a cheap turnover, like two minutes later, and a quick ball straight through, and Sam Walker scores. Um, it just shows what that's kind of that target, how target on play. And it's it's impressive, and it's difficult to play against. And um, really, it's uh, – and Queenbian was the only one who kind of um, was able to – to combat that for 90 minutes. Um, Ewan Peterkin, a, a former ANU player, again, he's just a warrior in midfield and, and probably the one who really leads um, the midfield, by example, just winning balls and, and getting the ball forward early. Um, and he caused them all kinds of trouble in that, that first kind of half an hour. Um, like you said, it's uh, very impressive for Tuggeranong and um, Really, they're gonna they're gonna give this promotion, uh, you know, this automatic bounce a, a real shake. Uh, but on the other side, worrying for ANU again. I think I talked about it um, when I was last on to say ANU um, have all this quality all over the park. Losing Sam Carter's, we never, you know, he's always been the driving force. So what that actually meant for the team, where you know, it's kind of coming to to. Uh, to the surface now but as I said the only real worry for that team is probably the uh, lack of depth in the back line and you know they've sh- they shipped five um, against Tugger on they shipped five midweek against Monero um, you know they're, they're conceding a worrying amount of goals that, that this ANU team are just absolutely not used to um, so Talal's probably got a little bit of work to do but he does know he's got the right cattle out there. Like there, there are some extremely good players. Um, you know, Sam Carter's aside, it's still a fantastic team. So I don't think there should be any panic stations yet, but they've got a bit of work to do to catch up. As you said, you know, even that's kind of six points given up to their rivals. Well, that's, uh, yeah, there's still 18 or 17 weeks to go, but you don't want to give those points up too early. Michael, what, are the fixtures for round five this weekend? Yeah, first up, we've got Wagga City Wanderers playing host to ANU. 
Saturday, May 7th, 2.15 at Gissing Oval. This is going to be an interesting one. Obviously, ANU and the struggles that they've sort of endured recently, it's a really good opportunity for them to sort of bounce back and get on the winner's circle. And I think that that's what they're going to do. So I'm going to go for an ANU win in this one. Matt, what about yourself? I'm going to go for an ANU victory as well, but I do think Wagga are going to push them. We all know it's it's tough to travel to the uh, to the Riverina areas. And we've mentioned how well Wagga have done this season. I, I think ANU, especially after not one, but two of those defeats like that, they're going to be raring to go. Um, but I do think Wagga will um, have their chances and uh, have some good moments in the matchup. Uh, Chris? Uh, yeah, look, I, I agree. Um... I'll, I'll sit on the fence for all of them and say I won't be surprised with any result. But in terms of who yeah. I would put that, money That's on, what we do anyway, so it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, my, my money would be on ANU to bounce back. Um, you know, they're, they're such an extremely strong team. Um, but, yeah, no, Wagga have been quite impressive. Um, I kind of harp back to the Wagga game against Monero in the Cup um, and how impressive they were there. And, that, so, and they've shown that form again through, through the start of the season. So... It's it definitely won't be uh, smooth sailing for ANU, but look, that's where I, I think the points will go. Next up, we have Brindabella up against Tuggeranong United, Saturday, May 7th, 3pm at Ipen Park in Corwell. I'm going to go for a Tuggeranong United victory uh, in this one. They're in some great form, obviously, on the back of that big win against ANU. So I, I expect them to continue that and uh, get the three points, Matt. What about yourself? Look, same here, but we've mentioned uh, the quality Brindies have. So similar to Wagga, they will push this uh, Tuggeranong team. But yeah, uh, after that, it's hard for me to say that they're not going to win this one. Now, how about you, Wabi? Yeah, look, again, uh, I would I would uh, put the money on Tuggeranong. Um, you know, the way they play, how physical, um, how intense they are. A team as young as Brindabella, I think, is a team that may struggle with that just a little bit more than most. Um, while Brindabella are technically fantastic um, the way they play, um, I think that they could struggle with that. But, you know, the brilliance of Ray might mean that he's able to kind of um, set up a structure that should be able to counter that. But again, look, I think Tuggeranong just have that that strength and that, that aggression and then the firepower up front that I think that should get them through. Absolutely. Next up, we have Western Malonglo up against Yulgali. Saturday, May 7th, 3 p.m. at Melrose Synthetic. Matt, I'm going to go to you first. What do you think uh, in this match? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for a draw here. Chris? Uh, look, I'll, I'm going to get in trouble for this one, but I think I'm going to go with Yulgali for a win. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, yeah, the caveat would be depending on who they travel with, but I think this early in the season they should be still travelling with a reasonably uh, strong squad. And as I said, you know, the what I saw from them from half an hour against White Eagles, they actually still looked quite impressive. So um, I think that they'll probably just be that little bit too strong. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go for a Yulgali away win in this one as well. But like you mentioned, Matt, I think it will be. Uh, a, a close game, most definitely. And lastly, on our CPL round five fixtures is probably the big one uh, this week. It's Canberra White Eagles at home to Queanbeyan City, Saturday, May 7th, 3 p.m. at Woden Park and closed. 
Oh, this is tough. This is very tough. I'm just going to go with a draw, to be honest. Uh, it could go either way, to be honest. I, I, I really just can't pick a definitive winner. So I think given the form that Eagles are in and also Queanbeyan, obviously Queanbeyan are playing very, very well at the moment and, and so are Eagles. Could argue that Queanbeyan have had sort of the tougher road thus far and they've still been able to look as impressive as they have. But I'm going to say that Eagles are just as confident in terms of the start that they've made this season. They still haven't lost a game and I'm going to go for a draw. Yeah, it's too too tough for me to separate. What about you, Matt? Look, when I was first looking at this, I was thinking a draw, but you know what? Uh, in two of the bigger uh, bigger matches Queen Bean have had against ANU and Tuggies, I cat I uh, bet against them in both. I think I said an ANU victory against Queen Bean, and then I think I said a draw against Tuggies. So I don't think it's smart for me to bet against Queen Bean again. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go for a Queanbeyan victory in this one, but this is going to be an absolutely cracking match. Uh, if I'm not commentating on Saturday, I'll, I'll try and get down to this one. Uh, yeah, a tough one. Look, um, logic, there's Queanbeyan should win this one, but I just have a sneaking feeling that White Eagles are going to cause an upset here. Um, absolutely no rhyme or reason to that. Um, but <laughs> I just feel like that, that it's happening. Way. What will be interesting is where the game actually gets played. So, um, yeah, sorry, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, the tug, the tug and on Western game that was postponed round one, um, that was at Woden Park because it was deemed unplayable. There hasn't been a game played on it since. Um, so even the weekend just passed. That's why Western uh, and Brinda Bella played at the ARS because Woden still hasn't been playable. So I would be surprised if it's deemed playable by this weekend. So um, if it's not, then there's a, there's a probably big chance the game will be moved out to Hawker, so, which will make it uh, interesting. Look, it certainly will. Uh, that's us for this episode and CPL. Webby, uh, any last uh, thoughts? And once again, thanks again. Greatly appreciate all your help. Uh, no, no, nothing else for me. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing how this weekend goes. It's, it's just an interesting uh, race and um, just just like uh, who might come down from MPLs looking like quite an interesting race as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's all shaping up pretty well. Any last words, Michael? No, just keen to watch some, watch some football, hopefully get out uh, to a game uh, on Sunday. Uh, as I was hoping to um, this past weekend, but wasn't able to do. So hopefully I can go and watch uh, watch a game on on Sunday as I'll be playing on Saturday. So it'll be good to, you know, play and then hopefully, yeah, watch uh, the following day. It's only round five uh, coming this weekend, but it things really are starting to heat up. It does look like a lot of these leagues uh, are getting... Interesting on the top of the table, the bottom of the table, middle of the table, uh, everywhere. It's going to be a fascinating season to roll out, but it's good to see that we're talking about all this competitiveness already in round five. It's about halfway through the 2020 season. Yeah. Yeah, it was. But don't forget we had that playoff and (laughs) 
playoff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, top four playoff, and bottom four playoff, and uh, it oh, felt yeah. it felt a lot longer than yeah. a lot longer than it actually was in that regard. Episode fifty, we said it several times. But thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone who's been listening to the show, sharing the show, telling people about the show, uh, talking to Michael or I or um, yeah. or anyone else that is, and Jeremy and and Chris and Russ and everyone else that has helped out with the show, Maddie Moore and. Uh, thanks to all the players, coaches, uh, staff. Thanks for sending us the VOs and um, and uh, your thoughts on the matches. It's greatly appreciated and we couldn't do it without everyone's help. So thank you very much. And uh, here's to another 50. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you.